The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Happy Monday. Hi, I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Burt Harper today. It's my privilege to be in with Dr. Alex McFarland. Alex, how are you? Well, I'm happy because this is my favorite week of the entire year, Jim. Oh, I know. Leading up to Christmas. It is. I, You know, um, I just love this week and everything about it. And uh, thinking of Christmas songs all day long, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a cute meme uh, earlier today, and it was talking about the fact, you know, that Mary had finally gotten Jesus to sleep, and this guy comes up and decided the first thing she needs is she's trying to rest while Jesus is sleeping is for him to play her a tune upon his drum. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, uh, Rump-a-pum-pum. That's right. There'll be, I'm sure there'll be more corny memes as the week goes along. But at any rate, happy Monday, and yes. we're in the 17th chapter of John. We left off Thursday at verse 23. And, you know, Alex, I think to give that, uh, to bring us in at a point, I think we need to back up to verse 20. What say you? I like that. I like. Let me read that. And remember, folks, this is uh, often called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He's en route to the cross, and yet he he says in verse twenty, "Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word." This is really a prediction of the apostles preaching and going into all the world and. We're the beneficiaries of their obedience even to this day, that they all may be one, O-N-E, that they, and Jim, I, I take that to mean the church and all the followers of Christ, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe thou hast sent me. Jim, isn't that just an amazing request. Um, Ruth Belgram, Billy Graham's wife, said that was one thing uh, that Jesus prayed that hadn't been answered, that the church would be unified mm. for the sake of the Great Commission. And um, I guess if we want to have the heart of Jesus, and if we care about what Christ's desires were, we should unify together as a body of believers for the fulfillment of His Great Commission. You know, that would that is a great thought, and of course, as Jesus prayed, it's a great prayer. But unfortunately, men get men and women get in the way. You know, we have a hard time agreeing whether or not Adam had a navel. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, when Christians are, are willing to argue about anything, you know, um, the Word promises that no matter what, the ch- against the church, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. However, yeah. I think one of, so- of Satan's craftiest ideas was not to try and destroy the church from without, but within. And he does that as he gets Christians, you know, fighting each other about trivialities that aren't common to the salvation of the lost. Mm. Well, you know, I've quoted it many times. One of my real heroes in church history, uh, semi-recent church history, was D.L. Moody mm. back in the 19th century. And I've read several biographies, and he, he would often say this. He said, God is pleased when Christians work together. Amen. And that's true. Uh, verse 21, Jesus says that the, that the world may believe thou hast sent me, and uh, we want that. And that's worth linking arms and unifying over. And he goes on. This is amazing. It says, In the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them, and thou hast loved me. Jim, as we're concluding John 17, I mean, you're seeing this amazing unity between uh, the Son and the Father, the Son and the Church, and the Father and the Church. And the glory, now, the Greek word is doxa, D-O-X-A, from which we get doxology. You know, 
um, Jim, growing up, it seems like we used to sing that more when I was a bit younger. Uh, Praise God from whom all blessings flow, Mm -hmm. the doxology, the glory to God. And obviously the worship and the glory belongs only to God. But this is an amazing statement in verse 22. Jesus says, the glory which you have given me, Father, I'm giving to them. Now, it's just amazing. The Father said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen, church, if we're truly disciples of Jesus, the Father is well pleased in us. Uh, The Father said that he has glorified the Son and put his stamp of approval on him and the favor and the blessing. Jim, this is amazing. And again, only worship and glory goes to God. But we, the church, we go forth with the stamp of approval, if you will, of the Father. We go forth with the favor, the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say it, we are Jesus to this watching world. Mm. You've probably heard people say, um, I'm, so-and-so might be the only Jesus they ever see. Well, Obviously, Jesus is Jesus. We're not Jesus, right. but we are his representatives, aren't we? We sure are, and, you know, we are to be good representatives of Christ. You know, uh, we I said the other day, I mentioned something from Mike Warnke, that if we spend the time doing the do's, we don't have enough time to do the don'ts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same is true here. If we could capture what it means to be a disciple of Christ, if we could capture that in our own hearts, and we spent our time doing that, teaming up with like-minded people, then hopefully unity would come. Amen. Amen. And, you know, let me just say within churches, um, there's a lot of things to get your dander up over. And I've—hey, listen, Jim, I'm telling you the truth— one Sunday morning, this has been probably 10 or 15 years ago, I was at a church down south, and I literally broke up a scuffle between a deacon and a pastor. I really did. Mm. And, folks, life's too short. <laughs> the, there, there's a lost world going out into eternity, and things like the color of carpet or, you know, the size music, of the cross or the size of the steeple. I'm just not going to get in a scrap over something like that. Are, are you, no, no, there's there's too many things. And, you know, I say that it's not just the, the modern church that did this. I mean, we think right after um, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit or the, uh, you know, the mighty rushing wind that came through in the first part of Acts, when we see that, it's not too far down the road that the apostles are even having some, um, not knock down drag outs, but they're saying, okay, so we're just going to keep this message for the Jews or we're just going to give this message, you know, to all the Gentiles too. There was debate about that. And it, it, you and I have talked about it before. Bert and I have talked at, about it before. It's amazing that um, how Paul, who was a, a Jew's Jew, if you will, he mm-hmm. wound up ministering mostly to Gentiles. And yeah. Peter, who was always kind of a, you know, let's bring everybody we can, he then responded mostly to the Jewish community. Yeah. And and Peter was not an educated man, at least no. to the degree that Paul was. And yet Peter was used by God to win some of the uh, the intelligentsia, you know. And by the way, if you read First and Second Peter, my goodness, that is an incredibly deep rich theological book. You know, it really is amazing from being um, the the Peter that cut off the person's ear in the mm-hmm. garden to the Peter that that was used by the Spirit of God to write First and Second Peter. It's amazing what a, ma- a level of maturity he, he reached. But um, you're right, he was, uh, you know, kind of surprisingly used to reach a lot of the, the Jewish elites. But Unity is an important thing, and, you know, my goodness, uh, Benjamin Franklin, this quote was attributed to Benjamin Franklin. He said, if you're helping to row the boat, you're not going to have time to rock the boat. (laughs) That's right. 
um, let's keep the gospel and winning the lost, you know, way out front. Hey, let he me, goes on. Let yeah. me interject before we move forward there. You mentioned First and Second Peter just a moment ago. Yeah. Coming up in 2023, you're going to be at the Cove teaching Second Peter. Now, this year you were at the Cove and taught First Peter. How could someone see or get a copy of what you taught then in preparation to what you're going to teach in 2023, and then how can they be, uh, meet you there? Oh, Jim, you're so kind. You're so kind. Well, reach out to The Cove, and their website is super easy, just thecove.org, T-H-E-C-O-V-E, thecove.org. That is the, the Billy Graham Training Center in Western North Carolina, and uh, I'll be there July 7 through 9, fantastic lodging, fantastic food and fellowship. And, you know, I, I give God the glory. It always fills up, and we we pray with listeners from all over North America. You know, more and more we'll have Exploring the Word listeners come down from Canada, mm. not to mention, you know, 35, 40 U.S. states. So this summer I'll be uh, finishing up Second Peter, and the theme is Thriving Till He Comes, and... Uh, the website is thecove.org, and I, I know they do have recordings from all of my past years there, too. All right. Now, I think we're at uh, verse 25. Yes. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. You know, Jim, uh, just as the Father and the Son of absolute unity, love, agreement, when we love the brothers and sisters, I mean, we're showing forth the love of Jesus like between the Son and the Father. And let me say this, if we're really going to love the Lord, we've got to love our brothers and sisters, don't we? We sure do. And it's important. It's imperative that we do. If not, you know, because Jesus told us by this, will all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. And that's not, it's not, hmm, trying to think of how I can say this without really offending anyone, and, and especially myself. I want to be clear about that because, you know, I may not like everybody, but I am supposed to love everybody. And the important part of that is they shouldn't be able to tell the difference. Well, we're going to pick up at chapter 18 in the Gospel of John as Alex and I come back and Exploring the Word continues here on American Family Radio. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Matthew Quinn, Undersecretary for Memorial Affairs at the National Cemetery Administration. He works to provide a dignified burial in national shrines for veterans and eligible family members. John 15, 13 reminds us of the honor owed to our military veterans. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Matthew Quinn as he works to honor our veterans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Satan is a powerful enemy, one that we don't have the power to beat on our own. But Dr. Tony Evans says that's why the Lord levels the playing field, and then some. We'll find out how as we spend two minutes with Tony. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. In order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. Angels are in heavenly places. Rulers and authorities refer to angels. You say, why is that important? I'll tell you why it's important. Because it takes an angel to beat an angel. You see, if you got an angelic problem, you need an angelic solution. 
Now, most of us have very little consciousness of angels, but what you need to understand is that there is a battle going on and God has a whole group of angels. When the Bible says the Lord of hosts, that means the Lord who is in military charge of an angelic core whose job it is to meet demonic action that is attacking you. When you say the devil is attacking me, it's probably not the devil because he can't be but one place at a time. He's not God, but he has a whole host of angels, which meant that he's got an angel called the demon with your name on it that he seeks after you to bring destruction in your life. Now, if you've got a demon after you, you're no power for a demon. You need God to tell one of his angels to come meet one of your demons in order to neutralize him. They're in heavenly places. So if you need angelic help, but you don't have a heavenly mindset, then you don't know how to get to the help you need at the time you need it. Learn more about the battle going on behind the scenes of your life and find the real-life help you've been looking for. Check out Tony's book, Warfare, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand God, any who seek God. Psalm 14, verse 2, American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Somehow you see through my heart and you welcome me. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland. Now, most of you know how much Alex loves teaching the Bible and how he has just dedicated his life to evangelical work and teaching apologetics. But you may not know, my brother has a little political bone that he likes to pick every now and then. And so this week, he's got the opportunity to do that on AFR in the morning. And Alex, you were on today, and I believe you told me you're going to be on tomorrow and Wednesday. I am. What a great opportunity. I count it a, a real privilege. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, uh, that's 8 to 9 Eastern time. That would be 7 to 8 Central time mm-hmm. and so forth. But um, this morning, by the way, I had, uh, we talked about headlines a little bit, but I also had Dr. Gary Chapman on, the man that wrote a very beloved book, The Five Love Languages. And uh, that you can hear at AFR.net, but I'll be on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Of this week, and I such a privilege to be a part of this wonderful, wonderful radio network. Now, are you going to be covering for Abe any this week? Um, hang on one second. Let me tell you, <laughs> he's got to get his calendar out. That's how booked yes. up he is. Uh, I did. here here is the word of God that I live by, right. and then here's the other book that I live by. <laughs> um, I have the Hamilton Corner. 27, 28, and 29, but no more Hamilton Corners this week okay. unless they need me. But I will say next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on the Hamilton Corner. All right. We'll anticipate those. Now, folks, Thank you. for those of you that don't know, we are live on Facebook now, and we're also live somewhere else. I'm not sure where that somewhere else is. Is it YouTube or I'm looking to... Yeah, streaming at AFR.net. There we go. I have guys out here that are doing their very best to communicate through the window that seals them off. So it Mm -hmm. is AFR.net, the streaming platform there. You can see us there, or you can also see us on Facebook. And we want you to tell a friend about that, by the way, uh, because it's one of those things that for us that uh, if we take and we're able to share that, then if you can share it for us, that helps get the word out even more. Now, I don't say that for me because, trust me, I have the face for radio. But I say that for Bert and Alex so that you guys can come in. And and sometimes it helps to see a familiar face when you take and and you open the Word of God with a friend. We call this the the country's biggest Sunday school uh, Um, program. Jim. Wouldn't it have been something people 25 years ago, because we have listeners, and they'll say, hey, Alex, I watch you on my phone. Mm. And others say, I hear you on my computer. And, you know, people 20 years ago would have said, you watch something on a phone. What? But right. 
it, it's a blessing. There's um, what we call terrestrial radio. That's a radio station, and certainly there are lots and lots of AFR stations. But then by streaming, by you know online content, there's just so many ways to get the gospel out these days. Amen. Well, we're at chapter 18 in the book of John, the gospel of John. And uh, chapter 18 starts out, says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook of Cedron, where there was a garden, into which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted there with his disciples. Now, Alex, I I know we're going to get to Judas in just a minute and what's going to happen there because uh, as you mentioned, this is on the way to uh, Calvary for Jesus. But mm-hmm. I, I find it interesting that when you look there, the first thing they did after all after the prayer and everything, he decided to go and it wasn't a retreat per se, but it was quiet time for him and the disciples and for him himself. I find it amazing that the living Son of God prayed to the Father and he prayed so much that this is one of the places that everyone knew, look, Jesus is going into the Garden of, of Gethsemane, and so we're going to leave him alone and let him go and recharge his batteries. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing. Um, you've probably seen the word, although you don't see this word as much as you used to. Remember when there was like medicines like um, methylate? Mm-hmm. or mercurochrome, do you yeah. remember those? And you would see the word tincture, like uh, applying a medicine, and that's what that word cedron means. It, it, he went forth over the brook cedron, C-E-D-R-O-N, uh, where was a garden. Isn't it amazing the one called the great physician goes over this stream, and I'm just, I don't mean to spiritualize too much, but the, the one who is the water of life, the one who is the great physician, goes over this stream whose name means tincture, like the application of a medicine. But he's going to the garden uh, there where he's going to pray. And it's interesting, verse 2, because verb tenses mean things. It says, Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted there with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men, of officers of the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? Okay, now, the betrayal is is about to happen, and yet verse 2 puts it in the past tense. Judas had betrayed him, mm. and the arrest in the garden is just about to take place momentarily, and yet the betrayal, you could have said, like verse 2 says, was past tense. Why? Because it happened in Judas's heart way before it happened in that garden. And he had gone, and the plans were made, and so the the betrayal, look, let's say somebody is going to you know, liaison with somebody and cheat on their spouse or something. Maybe the, the act hasn't taken place yet, but the betrayal already did. Mm-hmm. And behavior, before behavior is carried out, the the sin first begins in the heart and the intent, doesn't it, Jim? Yes, sir, it does. In fact, that's one of the things that Jesus taught in another gospel was just how that takes place. You know, uh, if you think about committing something, you know, then you committed that sin, even though you've not physically committed that sin, you've already committed it in your heart and you have to repent for that just as well as you do anything else, because the mind is a dangerous place and we can conceive of many things. And, you know, I often say, but for the grace of God, there go I, yeah, and so it's one of those things we don't know how we would react or what we would do, but we do know that the one thing we can control or try to control is our thoughts. Because when you get angry at someone and you think about giving them a good punch in the nose, you know, you've already sinned. That anger has yeah. led you to sin. Uh, and so you got to be careful with that. You really do. I, I think it's interesting in verse 4, Jesus knew 
everybody's thought. He knew the intent of their heart. He steps forth and he says, who do you seek? I mean, he didn't have to run for safety. He didn't have to say to the disciples, okay, guys, back me up here, fight for me. He steps forth and and he says, who do you seek? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus says unto them, I am he. Judas also, which betrayed him, stood there. Now, verse 6, this is amazing. As soon as Jesus says, I am he, they, they fall backwards. Isn't that something? Mm. Just the very power, the, the same voice from the burning bush when Moses says, Who shall I say sent me? And the voice says, I am, that I am. This is the voice of Jesus. I am he. And then he asked again, verse 7, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I've told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. Now, Jim, I've, I've often thought about, here's Christ, falsely accused, going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, and going to be executed very soon. And yet he's thinking of others. Basically, he says, look, all these other 11, let them go. If, you, if you're here to arrest me, here I am. Let these guys go. I mean, I, I see a selfless act in that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, verse 9 says, That the saying might be fulfilled which he spake, Of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. And so Jesus is saying, Look, these guys, you're not looking for them. You're looking for me. Now, unfortunately, Simon Peter wanted to take a step up. And isn't it interesting here in verse 10 of chapter 18 of the Gospel of John, Simon Peter, having sword, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. The, this was so significant that the scriptures recorded the servant's name. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but you have Jesus who's saying, let these go their way. And Peter's saying, well, let me take a, let me take a, stake in that Jesus. And so he takes and pulls his sword. But then not too far from this moment, Peter is going to deny Jesus three times. Hmm. What changed? What do, you, what do you think changed there? Uh, well, I'm thinking fear, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you, you've got to admit that th- from a human standpoint, things seem to be unraveling. The one who fed the 5,000 and calmed the storm and walked on the water, the one who raised Lazarus. Now, Jesus had warned him. He said, we go up to Jerusalem, the Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and will be crucified, but three days later I will rise. And, and Christ had told them, but yet here it's coming right before their very eyes, and maybe it was fear. You know, and right now... You know, to draw a sword and maybe strike the fire that uh, creates, you know, a, a war, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Peter felt like, okay, we're going to fight, we're going to die. Do you know, I've, I've had a lot of people say, you know, um, back when Columbine happened, and you remember Cassie Bernal, yeah. that tragic, tragic shooting at that high school more than 20 years ago, and she said yes, she was a believer, and she was martyred. And I've had a lot of people say, you know, that's what I would do if I were ever faced with life or death. I would I would die for the Lord. Well, let's hope we would never have to do that, but mm-hmm. we'd be willing. But here's the trick. Not just dying for the Lord in a blaze of glory, but living for the Lord in the day-to-day, you know, as as much as we might respect those that were willing to, you know, face a firing squad for the sake of the gospel, I also have to admire those that for decades on end would humbly and lovingly serve a family member. Mm-hmm. And hopefully nobody listening will ever be called on to die. But here's the thing. We need to be able to live for the Lord. Now, Peter... Jesus is arrested, things are unraveling, maybe he was afraid, and he denied the Lord while, you know, warming at the, 
at the devil's fire, as many have said. What do you think? What changed from the zeal of the garden to the denials in the streetway? What do you think changed in the heart of Peter, Jim? Well, I think it's part of the part of the same. And plus, you know, there's another there's a, a mild rebuke from Jesus because he's basically saying unto Peter, you know, put up the sword thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? So while Peter may have been looking to defend the Lord and say, look, he's our guy, and we'll, we're willing to do battle for him, Jesus wanted Peter to know that this battle was not the one to fight. And so he tells him, you know, basically put your sword away. And do you not want me to follow my father's will? Were you not listening just a few minutes ago as I prayed over you guys to tell you how important you were to me and how important you were to the father? And so I think that, and then as you, as you said, they take Jesus uh, there and, and they put him in, they bind him up, and they take him to be delivered to the law. Now, Peter still followed Jesus, as we see, but it's one of those things that I, I agree with you. I think he did get frightened. I think it came down to the fact that he was put on the spot suddenly, and he didn't know what answering that question would mean. You know, how would it impact him? Would he wind up on a cross next to Jesus? And so I I think you're right. And and the answer is ultimately he would. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Hey, by the way, I I think it's very interesting. All four Gospels record uh, the, the, uh, you know, cutting off of Malchus's ear. Mm -hmm. But only one, I'm going to quiz you. Which of the four Gospels? You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the Gospels records Christ's final miracle before the cross. And that's where he healed the ear. Yes. And um, Peter cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest, and Jesus answered and says, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. Jesus' final miracle was a healing. Now, here's the quiz, Jim. Which of the four Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, gave this miracle of the healing in their account. Uh, And this, I hate to say this, this is purely a guess, but I am going to say that it was most likely Luke. And you are correct, sir. Well, because Luke Uh, was the physician, and so that would have been important to him to make sure that people knew that Jesus didn't leave the man the way he was, but he restored him to health. Exactly. Exactly. I, I just thought it was so significant. They all four record this, mm-hmm. but Luke in uh, Luke twenty two fifty one records the healing, and Luke, being a physician, would certainly have taken note of that, wouldn't he? He sure would have. All right, folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We'll take your phone calls next at 888-589-8840. 888 as Exploring the Word with Dr. Alex McFarland and Jim Stanley continue on AFR. Hello, this is Walker Wildman, and we want to ask you to consider American Family Radio and American Family Association for your year-end charitable giving. Jude chapter 1 says, To those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. So from all of us here at AFA and AFR, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a joyous Christ-filled New Year. Do you feel like you're in control of your finances, or is it more like the other way around? Sometimes all it takes is a little help and encouragement, and we've got just the thing. It's Money Wise with Rob West. Every weekday morning from 9 to 10 Central, Rob and his money-savvy friends and colleagues help you stay in control of your finances. And it's not from the world's perspective, but from God's. Don't miss Money Wise with Rob West every weekday morning from 9 to 10 Central, right here on AFR. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith. Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The Internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family. 
and we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may he give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to a recent study published by the Christian Post, 76.3% of all abortions are obtained by, quote, God-fearing women, unquote with 68.7% who identified themselves as Christian women and 18% of all abortions obtained by self-described born-again or evangelical women. A corresponding CareNet study found that many women with unplanned pregnancies go silently from the church pew to the abortion clinic convinced the church would gossip rather than help. America's greatest need is repentance. When the hearts of the American people turn to God, everything else will be impacted. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is We are back. We're back on Exploring the Word. So glad you're listening. Hey, here's the number, toll-free, nationwide. If you want to call in with a Bible question, Jim Stanley and I will do our very best to give you a good answer. The number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We would love to hear from you uh, with a Bible question on today's edition of the program. Amen. Let's go to Rocky in Kansas right now. Rocky, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily make it a Bible question, but you guys were talking about Peter was uh, denied Christ, and yeah, I, I do believe it was fear, but the difference between then and when he stood for stood up and preached was the fact he was filled with the Holy Spirit the day of Pentecost, when Jesus was being crucified and he was at the fire and being accused, he did not have that inside of him. And I, I just want to make that observation. Rocky, that's a great observation. And I don't disagree with you because, and, and we didn't follow though out, that out to its completion. We stopped at the fire um, when he denied Jesus. And we're talking about how he went, you know, that was the thing with Peter though. And Alex, I'll, I'll get you to weigh in on this. You know, oftentimes Peter had this tremendous statement, and then the very next thing, you know, Peter was in trouble, or Peter yeah. floundered. And so then, though, you're right, at the at the um, Pentecost experience, Peter did pray without fear. Alex? Yeah, and, you know, I think about this where um, Jesus would—well, uh, Peter said, Lord, I'll never let you wash my— feet. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus said, well, you, you have no part in me. So quickly Peter changed and said, okay, well then wash my head, my hands, my feet, every bit of me. But um, I remember reading one book, Jim, where the the writer said, how could the disciples go from a frightened, scattered band of former believers to lion, lion-hearted evangelists willing to die? Well, two things, like the caller said, the indwelling Holy Spirit, but also the realization that that tomb was empty and Jesus had risen. And, uh, hey, we're the, we're the same witnesses. We know Christ is risen. Mm-hmm. We've got that Holy Spirit to empower us, so we need to go forth and proclaim the truth as well. Well, you see the ladies going to prepare the body, and there's nobody there, and they go mm-hmm. back and get the disciples. And then when Jesus begins to appear to them, he's, it's like, hey, guys, we need to get together. You need to realize what has happened. So let's get everybody together, and don't forget Peter. Yeah, I think yeah, that oh, was yeah. one of the most compelling things. Um, and today, Jesus says that, you know, don't forget Jim, don't forget Alex. But I think at that place in time, it was so important for Peter's restoration 
that Jesus said, tell the guys and, and Peter. So thanks yeah. for that call. That was a great observation. Let's talk to Joseph in Kentucky. Joseph, welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, God bless you guys, and Merry Christmas. Uh, got a question about 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Okay. I'm looking that up here. And my question um, is, yeah. when it talks about the falling away... Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry to talk over you guys. No, you're fine. Is, Go ahead. Can, can we look at that a little deeper? Is it possible that we've been looking at it incorrect, thinking that there's going to be a falling away instead of the possibility that this is saying there's going to be a rapture, then the son of perdition, then the second coming? Is it possible we've looked at that wrong for so many years? Uh, great question. Well, the, the word there that's translated falling away is the word for apostasy. Now, and so I, I actually think the Second Thessalonians 2, 3, when the King James renders it, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That's not the same as the word translated rapture, which is, uh, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, parousa. Uh, the, the catching away in Latin is rapio, um, and that's like First Thessalonians 4. So I, because the word in the Greek in Second Thessalonians 2.3 is actually the word apostasy, which interestingly, by the way, when we think of apostasy, we think of people denying core truths of Christianity, which is true. But in the ancient Greek, that word was actually also used for the word for a riot. Hmm. And Jim, I think about nowadays where, I mean, there are some churches that, I remember years ago there was a thing called Chrislam, right. where some churches said that Islam and Christianity were the same, which is, is not true. And nowadays there are churches that teach all manner of unbiblical things on salvation, morality. So I think that the apostasy, the theological free-for-all, if you will, um, I, I understand how you some have thought, well, maybe it's the rapture. But no, I really do think there's going to be a falling away from truth and as the world descends further and further into just heresies, that's going to pave the way for the Antichrist and the, the global Antichrist mm-hmm. satanic church. I, I agree. You know, it's, it's almost to the point where we hear over and over and over that there are more than one way to be saved. You know, there's more than one way to God. That We have all these gods out here, and as long as we choose a path to one of them— then we'll wind up where we need to go. And, folks, you won't argue with me about that. You would be arguing with the Bible because the Bible says, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so, you know, we talk about the wide path and the narrow path. I understand that Jesus is as far as the east is from the west, but the very specific instructions is that we come to, to God through him. And so there really is only one way to eternal life. All right, let's talk to John now, calling from Arkansas. John, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Okay, well, well, my question was, we celebrate Jesus' birthday in December. I'm just wondering, are we celebrating it correctly, or is it really birthday in September? All right, John, thanks for that call. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, You know, I mentioned last Tuesday, December 13, I had the privilege of hosting the Hamilton Corner, and I had on as my guest last week uh, William J. Federer. He's a historian and writer and, uh, in my opinion, an exceptionally meticulous historian of uh, church history. And he was on last Tuesday night a week ago, and you can hear this again at AFR.net if you go to the Hamilton Corner, the December 13th show. Bill Federer makes a pretty compelling case why he actually does believe it is December 25th. Now, I know that when it talks about shepherds abiding in the field, um, history seems to indicate that wouldn't be past September or at the latest uh, October. Now, there was a great scholar, Jim, named Dr. Henry Morris, mm-hmm. who um, 
By the way, two great commentaries, the, the late Henry Morse, one is called the Genesis Record, and the other is called the Revelation Record. And, and Henry Morris was brilliant. He believed late December was the time of the miraculous virginal conception of Christ. 270 days later, the time of human gestation would be that Christ came probably in Jesus was born September around the Feast of Trumpets. Now, the thing is, I don't know that anybody definitively knows when he was born, but we definitively know that he was born. And so, Jim, I think it's one of those things that we can all have our maybe sanctified speculation, Mm -hmm. but we just don't actually know the exact date, but we do know he was born. That's right. We know that he was born of a virgin, and that's important. We know that he lived a sinless life. That's important. We know that he was crucified for our sins. That's important. We know that he rose again on the third day. And then we also know that he ascended unto the Father. And then lastly, that he is returning for us. All of those are are, are diehard uh, hills to die on, if you will, as far as the Christian is concerned. Uh, it's It's like old earth and new earth. Uh, I happen to believe in a new earth. There are a lot of people that believe in an old earth. and But the, our salvation is not ba- based on how old the world is. Our, our f- salvation is based on the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life. So, Alex, I agree. I think so, this is another one of those things that we can get hung up on ourselves, and uh, we we waste too much time spinning our wheels on that instead of telling people about Jesus. Let's hey, Jim, talk. Let, Go ahead, let me say one thing. There was a Roman emperor named Hadrian, and Hadrian died in 138 A.D., so Hadrian was very near the time of Christ. And th- this is speaking of the, the historical reality of this. The Roman emperor Hadrian said Jesus was born in a cave in Bethlehem, the location of which has long been known. Now, isn't that amazing? Mm. Like around 138... He references the location, the town, and I think it's interesting, and of course, we don't know when now, but he said the location of which has long been known. And so uh, that's good enough for me, but even more than that, the record of history, we've got the record of Scripture that Christ was born, the Savior of the world. Amen. All right. Wayne, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, sir. Listen to y'all, brother. Doing a great job. Yes, sir. Y'all feeding me out there. Yes, sir. I want to ask you, when you're out soul winning, I have a lot of people to run into tell me this. You'll share Jesus with them, and they'll tell you, says, well, we're all God's children. And I tell them, I said, no, uh, when you're born again, you're God's child from above. Yes, sir. But uh, the little G would be everybody that's not born again, but be that little G God's children. I'd like to hear y'all's response. All right. Thank you so much, Wayne. Uh, Merry Christmas, Alex. Well, you know, by virtue of the fact that God made us, you know, every human being is made in the image of God, male and female. That's Genesis one twenty-seven. Uh, but but I'm with you. We're, we're not really children of God until we're born again by putting our faith in Jesus. In fact, you know, the Bible calls Satan the god of this world, the little g, mm-hmm. like you say. So we are all God's children in terms of the god of this world. Uh, we're sinners, but we become a born-again child of God, saved, bound for heaven, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Jim Stanley alluded to earlier in the show, there is no other way. The, uh, and Jesus said the only way to truly Go to heaven when we die is to have a relationship with him. And fortunately, we can do that by putting our faith in him. But, um, Jim, I think the caller's right. In witnessing or soul winning, we need to help people understand that if if they're not saved, they're lost. That's right. Yeah, and and we we don't have to be rude or callous about it because the fact is, so too were we. Yeah, And sure. so we just bear in mind our conversion experience and share that with them. Let's try Jeff again from Ohio. Jeff, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, uh, my question is, uh, if a person, uh, well, I, ha- I know a person real well that's on drugs real bad, 
and they've been brought up in church, and uh, uh, they say they're a Christian, and uh, it concerns me. Well, it's a member of my family, I'll just say that, and it concerns me. Are they saved? I mean, will they go to heaven? They definitely are on drugs. Well, Jeff, you know, that's one of those things. If they have truly come to Christ, then I think it's, I think there's an ability to be, you know, hooked on drugs, just like hooked on alcohol or hooked on, on cigarettes. Uh, But I can also tell you that I can't judge that person because of the sin in my own life, but that sin's been removed by Christ for which I'm grateful. And Alex, uh, when we look at this, that's another one of those cases where we don't get we don't judge the heart, do we? No, I mean we we can't know another person's heart. Uh, in fact, we can barely even know our own heart. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah seventeen says the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? Um, we that's why it's just imperative to be in the Word of God daily. And and folks, let me just encourage you with uh, the new year is coming up real soon. Have a devotional book uh, and and be in the Word every day. Now, maybe in your church lobby, there's uh, Our Daily Bread or mm. Open Windows or something like that. Uh, in many Bibles, there's a reading plan. If you read three chapters a day, five on Sunday, uh, honestly, folks, take about 15, 20 minutes a day, three chapters a day, five on Sunday, you'll read the whole Bible in a year. And, oh, my goodness, it will bless your life. But... Um, If you're feeding on God's Word, and then you're praying, and the Lord is uh, communing with you, uh, you're going to see sin that you need to turn from. And Jim, I I think in as much as we really can't even know the the dark places of our own heart, that's why we need to be every day walking with the Lord. Now, can a drug abuser be saved? Uh, Yeah, but I think if you're truly born again... You're going to want to repent of sin Mm -hmm. and, to the best of your ability, let Jesus have full control of your life. Amen. Folks, this has been Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. He's Dr. Alex McFarland. I'm Jim Stanley. And as we were talking about devotionals and reading plans, my friend Chris Woodward from here at AFR News, he uh, suggests Bible Gateway that they have several different reading plans as well, and that's a trusted site. Uh, There's a lot of other ways to do it. Alex, thanks for letting me hang out with you. Well, let's do it again tomorrow. I believe we will, and this time I mean it. Have a great Mm -hmm. afternoon, folks. Keep it tuned here to American Family Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.